Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, I want to welcome each and every one of you to another exciting episode of the Do I Offend You podcast. My name is Carl Britt. I am your host. I am your truth teller. Um, and today we have an exciting episode. I mean, it's it's really jam-packed. There's a lot to discuss, a lot to go over, and uh, I'm really excited about it. Um, eventually, um, and ultimately here in this episode, we're going to continue in our Bible lesson, uh, which I have titled In Search of the Few. Um, we're on part five today of an eight-part series that... Uh, Uh, As you know, if you have been um, tuning in to the podcast for this Bible lesson, uh, we've laid the foundation in the first four uh, lessons of this series. Uh, We've looked at the few uh, very closely um, in how they are differentiated and separated from the many. Um, And and then we're actually, today is the day where we're going to get into some of the meat and potatoes of this lesson. Um, Thus far, we have looked at um, the darkness that uh, is the system of Satan upon this world that is a web spread wide and far, and it has captured and captivated the many uh, that the Bible says whose end is destruction that they walk on the broad road that leads to destruction while the few uh, that find it the bible says few there be that find it and that it is eternal life through the narrow way through god's instruction and um, today we're going to look at the line that differentiates the two up closer Uh, And it's amazing to me, you know, the more I get into uh, reading the word of God and looking this over, as you will see today, it's absolutely mind blowing to me how detailed uh, that line of contrast is that God sets in between the few and the many. And he paints a vivid picture in complete and utter detail uh, that totally separates the few from the many in all facets of life. It's extremely interesting, and we're going to look at that today. Uh, but before I do, um, I've got, you know, as I often do, I've got some things on my chest. I'm going to need you all to pray for me because I don't know why I'm so discombobulated today, uh, but I'm going to continue uh, to roll through this thing, keeping it live, keeping it raw, keeping it real. Um, but for some reason, you know, the devil doesn't want this word to go out. That's obvious. But in the name of Jesus Christ and through the power of his blood, we're going to march on. We're going to continue forward. I want to talk a little bit about, uh, what everybody's talking about. And that is the coronavirus. Okay. And some of the dynamics to it and, and, and what it represents as far as being biblical or in Bible prophecy. I've got a few things to say. Uh, everyone's talking about it. I'm going to throw my hat into the ring on that just briefly and also i want to talk a little bit about pastor tony spill of life tabernacle in baton rouge louisiana he is the shepherd that god has placed over the flock down there Um, and he is as many of you know continuing to congregate against the uh, mandate and the orders of the local and federal government down there and uh, they are really going through it um, as perhaps the tip of the spear uh, that God has set in place for things to come. We don't really know, but I'm going to I'm gonna throw my two cents in on that too as well. Uh, but before we do, before we go any further, let's keep priorities straight. Please pray for me. Um, I, I'm, I'm really in need of God's help to get through this episode today. So uh, in Jesus' name, God, we love you, Lord. Uh, we magnify and lift up your great and mighty name, Lord. Thank you, God, for being a refuge for us. 
um, as the waves of life come crashing over us, Heavenly Father God, your word says that, uh, lo, you are with us always, God. And when we go through the waters or the rivers of water, they shall not overflow us, Heavenly Father. When we go through the fire, um, we shall not be burned, Heavenly Father God, because you are with us and we trust in that, Lord. Uh, We love you and praise you and thank you, Lord, for how you have kept us so far, God. And there are many hurting souls out there right now, Lord. Uh, that are a part of the church and that are not, Lord, right now, God, uh, in this world that are really struggling and suffering. And I pray, and it is my true and earnest prayer, Lord, that you would just reach down, God, and show them the way. Uh, Reveal yourself to them in all of your truth, Heavenly Father, that they would at least have that choice, God, um, to be a part of what you have for them or not, Lord Jesus, but either way, God, there are children out there suffering as well. God, comfort them and love on them, Lord. Uh, We pray for everybody, God, at the sound of my voice, that you would continue to keep them. Uh, Bless this podcast continually, Lord, as we dedicate it and give it to you all the glory and all the praise of everything we do or say or are a part of, God, that we give it all to you, Lord Jesus. We love you and praise you and bless your name. And in Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Lord, I love you, God. I worship you today. I'm so grateful to God for everything that he is showing me and um, what he's dealing with me on. I'm going to share it. I'm going to get very transparent today. I'm going to be personal with you folks. You know, number one, first and foremost, I miss my church. I miss the people. I miss my pastor and his family. I miss my true brothers and sisters in Christ. And I I miss being able to run them altars, uh, run the aisles and uh, pray at the altar. I miss church, you know, and and, and I don't know if it's in the Bible or not, but uh, you've heard the saying that absence makes, makes the heart grow fonder. Is that ever true? I'm telling you what, I'm absent from the gathering of our um, body there under the roof of our new sanctuary. And it just, I, I tell you what, um, I really miss the folks of God. Um, you know, but God's, God's using this time to show us things collectively as a church and also individually. And you know, I was just thinking to myself, Um, a little while ago. In fact, I I just got off the phone with my sister and and I was letting her know that, you know what? I'm a little bit ashamed and I'm just going to, I'm going to be very honest with you. So there's a a lot of people going through a lot of hard times. They're scared to death. They're full of anxiety. Um, You know, and and I'm going to speak to the church. I'm going to speak to the true body of Christ, the Holy Ghost filled, uh, blood washed believer in Jesus Christ, the true body of Christ, you know, um, it, it, it's amazing to me. So, you know, here we are, we're cruising along. We have our jobs. We have healthy families. We have food in our cupboards. We have a roof over us. We have a job to go to. And, you know, we're up on the mountaintop and we're praising him and worshiping and him and all that is great. But, you know, there's actually, and, and I've come to discover this in, in just my recent studies of um, In Search of the Few, that there's a portion of God's scripture that we know about, we read about many of the verses and things, but they really, um, they, they, they absolutely 
can't really even be put to the test where the rubber meets the road, where they can become completely applicable in your life until there is a storm. And let me tell you, coronavirus is a storm. It is a, uh, it's part of the, you know, people say, well, is it, uh, is it, um, all right, let me slow my roll. I'm getting, I'm getting a little wound up and excited here. Bear with me. You know, the question that's I've heard most repeated, is this Bible prophecy? Um, it's absolutely unequivocally. It is not only Bible prophecy, but it's Bible period. Um, you know, the, the Lord told the disciples, he said these things, and, and let me just read this. Actually, it's John chapter 16, verse 33. It says, these things I have spoken unto you that in me, ye might have peace. In the world, you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Listen, that is not Jesus saying, hey, if you feel like it, be of good cheer. You know, if it suits you, if times are good, be it. He's talking about straight up tribulation. We are in tribulation. We're going through persecution and, and here in America, getting ready, as I see it, to go through even more persecution um, in a real listic and up close and personal way i believe but uh, you hear you hear jesus saying these words be of good cheer it's a command i you know it's like paul and silas i keep going back to this in my prayer and in my thoughts and probably because i can relate to them being in jail i know what that feeling can be like and here they are starving they're in a cold jail um probably not much clothes on you know and I know that they did not feel like singing hymns to God. All right. There's times when you absolutely don't feel like it, especially when you don't know where your next meal is coming from. Um, but you know what? They, they followed the unction of the Holy Ghost, the commands of God, and they started singing praises to God. And you know, the devil hates that when you have anxiety and you have fear and you have uncertainty and you just don't feel like praying. We all are, have been a part of that where you just don't feel like giving praise to God. Maybe you're even questioning God, but you know what? That's of the devil. The Bible says God has not given us the spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And part of that power, as it is manifested through us by the infilling of the Holy Ghost and in real applicable things that come about in life, let me just tell you something. You start praising God in the storm and watch what happens. Something supernatural. When you operate in the supernatural um, under the unction of the Holy Ghost in times of crisis, things happen. And you know, I don't want it to look back on coronavirus and be disappointed in, in, in myself um, in how I handled it and how I came through it. And as I'm looking at the difference, the clear line that separates the few from the many, um, I understand the Bible says that the rain is going to fall on the just and the unjust alike. Just because I'm a Christian, just because I follow after Jesus Christ with everything I have in me doesn't mean that the trials of life are not going to affect me. Um, we're all affected. Um, but what separates the few from the many is that the few are supposed to, if they will take God's word and stand on it and follow his instruction and, and do what he says in times of crisis, which is to be of good cheer because he has ultimately, and we know full well, overcome this world. All right. 
And the end for us is different than it is for the many. And, you know, um, when I can't find a reason to praise God, when I'm not feeling like praising God, I know that's the devil because he doesn't want me to. He wants me to get swallowed up with the fears and the anxieties that come from coronavirus and other such tribulations um, like the many are. But how the Christian, how the Holy Ghost filled person goes through a thing is what separates them from the many. Okay, we're all going through the same thing, but how we get through it. And, you know, I, I heard it preached not long ago, and, and, and I really didn't understand it then like I do now. But the, 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 the pastor was saying that um, the attitude that you have when you go through a thing depends on how you come out of that thing. I don't want to come out of this frazzled, losing my mind, discouraged, downtrodden because of how I let God down and didn't exercise my faith in him. I don't care if you strip me out of everything materialistic that I have and stand me up in the soup kitchen line. The guy in front of me, the guy behind me and the entire line, if I can help it, is going to hear about the goodness of God. I'm going to continue to smile. I'm going to continue to praise Jesus Christ and trust in him and make his word real and make it applicable to my life. And so I encourage every believer, every true Holy Ghost filled believer that if you go through this coronavirus in the same fashion and manner as the many are going through, then they don't have you as a beacon to look forward. They, they can't look at you and see the joy and the peace that passeth all understanding. They don't have you to turn to, you know? So it's important that we continue to stay united, that we continue to uh, understand that this too shall pass, you know? And even if it don't, if things get a lot worse from here, I want to continue to let the Lord shine through everything that I am in this time of crisis. And I hope that everyone at the sound of my voice will join me in that. And, um, you know, if you think you've already been doing a good job in that, hey, guess what? Let's challenge ourselves to do an even better job. And let's continue to let our light shine in this time of crisis, this coronavirus. And, and so, you know, the question asked that I've heard repeatedly is... Um, is this Bible prophecy? Well, yes, it is Bible prophecy. It's the birth pains. In fact, it's it's my belief and understanding, and and, and I'm uh, this is my opinion, but I know I'm right. Uh, it is a birth pain talked about uh, in Matthew chapter 24 um, during Jesus's um, the Olivet discourse, uh, where he was talking to the disciples about the signs of the times of the end, and we know that those birth pains are frequency and intensity. All right, this one hurts. <laughs> this is a worldwide, widespread, painful birth pain, okay? That is really declaring that the end uh, is unfolding before our very eyes. And this one, uh, it, it illustrates not frequency, but um, intensity. It, it is a birth pain that is most intense. And I mean, you know, uh, the Bible says, that, you know, um, perilous times will come. In fact, let me just read that to us real quick. Um, and I'm, I want to say thank you so much for tuning in guys. I really do appreciate it. But let, let me just say this. It says, um, this is second Timothy chapter three. It says this know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come. Hey, we're in perilous times. We know we're at the end of the end. 
And um, so, yes, this is part of Bible. It's part of Bible prophecy. In fact, I'm going to go a step deeper really quick if I can. You know, um, while it is part of Bible prophecy and, and all of that, you know, and we're, we, we as saints of God are continuing to um, look up for our redemption doth draw nigh. It's drawing nigh. The, the rapture is ever closer. And, you know, um, the world itself gets caught up in trying to set dates and, and exploiting God's word for their own financial gain and other stupid reasons that are of completely of the devil. But it's my belief that uh, things of the prophetic concerning God seeing the beginning from the end should really cause us to live a holy standard of living, you know, to have a life of holiness and separation from this world and keeping ourselves close to Jesus Christ, not getting caught up in the madness of the secular movement that tries to use the scriptures uh, for their own, you know, exploiting reasons, okay, where, where, where they want to try to set dates and do all this stuff. And uh, they, they really look foolish uh, in the eyes of God. They are fools. But uh, as Christians um, and true Holy Ghost filled believers, it's our duty to continue to draw close to the Lord and live every day like this could be the last. Uh, you know, uh, we, we had at my house just in the last two days, I felt an earthquake. We felt a pretty good earthquake here on uh, when was it? A sa- um, Sunday. And then on Monday, we felt another one. And so, you know, it's just in the signs of the times in, in frequency, listen, Australia, those people over there, they've had all the wildfires. We had the wildfires in paradise. We've had tsunamis and earthquakes and floods and, and, and disease running rampant. We have starving people in the world. It is getting, you know, and earthquakes. And, and, and when you know the ways of God, okay, the Bible says that Moses knew the ways of God, but the children of Israel only knew his acts. And when you know the ways of God, you understand that one thing that is that is absolutely true about God himself is that he never sends judgment, okay? He doesn't send judgment without first sending a prophet to warn, a, a call to repentance, or, or he'll use weather or catastrophes or, or different things in life to try to get a person or a nation collectively to wake up, to uh, repent, and, and, and to, to come to their senses and understand that, that, that imminent judgment is on the horizon. Hey, and I can't think of a, of, a, of, a, of a more deserving nation than America when it comes to judgment. And I'm sorry to say that. I'm patriotic. I love my country as much as the next person. But let me tell you, when I look at it from a spiritual standpoint, we're baby killers, Okay. Uh, you've got half of the government that they call the left that they're completely out of their they're out of their minds if you ask me they've revealed their hand they can't stand our freedoms they are against America they hate the things of God they're releasing pedophiles and rapists and criminals by the thousands right now in America uh, we continue to slaughter slaughter babies daily and on and on it goes I, I, I don't want to get too political I could go on the list goes on and you know hey judgment is coming but i believe that coronavirus these earthquakes things that are happening not just in america but around the world they're a call to repentance it's god's mercy my 17 years in the penitentiary i I didn't look at god and say oh you're judging me and this is his judgment on my life i never did do that 
All right. I understood the truth of the matter and it goes deep. And it was this, that that 17 years of incarceration was God's mercy on my life. If he didn't have mercy, he would have just wiped me out and I would have uh, come to myself in a lake of burning fire forevermore, never to get out. And, and, and that would have been my lot in eternity. So that God's mercy was, uh, you know, the trials and tribulations that we go through. Uh, he's calling us to go deeper in him as Christians and he's calling this world to repent. All right. He's calling this world, this nation that that was founded on the principles of the Bible and, uh, and of God that has turned its back so rapidly and so um, grotesquely. Um, I mean, pushing the homosexual agenda like they are our government voting for rights, uh, you know, that promote this type of filth that God calls abominable is just, you know, how could you think judgment was not coming upon America? Okay. And upon the world, it is coming folks. And I believe like my pastor and like so many other people who are in tune with the things of God, that we are the generation that the ends of the world have come. And um, we are seeing it all unfold, um, you know. So anyhow, that's my thought about coronavirus. You know, um, people are caught up in the conspiracies. Well, you know, did the you know where did it come from, and what's their agenda? Hey, I have my own opinions in regards to that. I'm not going to give them. It's just not important. My opinion doesn't matter one way or another. But what I try to do, um, as a child of the King, and in my own personal life. Um, I try to keep my eyes focused on the Lord. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm not blind. I see that there is exploitation, uh, that many people are just so evil. They're exploiting this thing, whether it has come upon us by way of a government conspiracy or whether, you know, God put it out there or whatever the case. But we know God allowed it to come because nothing happens um, without God's Uh, approval of it. I can tell you that much. He's in control of everything large and small and everything in between. Um, but you know, I don't get caught up in looking at all of the, um, factors of it. You know, that, that the people continue to talk about. All I know is this, that whatever happens, what is happening now, however bad it may or may not get when it may or may not end. I don't know, but I trust in Jesus Christ that I want to stay close to Jesus Christ because that All right. And, and, and I'm going to say this too. It is a time. It's a call for us to get radical. All right. The devil is getting completely nuts. All right. With his evil and how it's running rampant upon the face of America and on, on the face of the earth and these trials and tribulations. I want to have radical faith, God. I want to smile and jump for joy in times of trouble. I want my, my, my eyesight that is completely locked on you. Like Peter, when he was walking on the ocean, we know that he got to, uh, he was walking on the water toward Jesus. He started looking around at the waves and, and, it, and it caused him to go under. I want to be radical in my faith. I want to be radical in having that peace that passeth all understanding. You know, the, the disciples were on the boat. Everyone knows the story. And the storm started rocking that boat. And there Jesus was, all right, the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, the creator of all of it, down there under the boat, sound asleep. And, you know, the, the, the disciples went running down there and they woke him up and, and said, Lord, uh, don't you care that we're getting ready to perish? All right, that 
that that illustration is not in the Bible, so that we can lose our minds when the boat starts rocking, and then turn to that that uh, Bible story and say, well, the, you know, the very disciples of God did that. The very disciples of God, you know, that they did that, and that story was illustrated for us, so we know what not to do. Jesus rebuked them for that. Furthermore, that Prince of Peace that was near them, that was by them, that was sleeping, Jesus Christ Himself, uh, under the bows of the boat is now inside of us okay so us as as christians as holy ghost filled people we have that prince of peace dwelling in our very hearts all right and so while this world falls apart i don't want to i want to come through coronavirus i want to look back at it and i want to say man lord jesus you know what i i did a great job in hanging on to you in trusting in you Were there times that I got anxious? Were there times where there was uncertainty that, you know, spooked me? Absolutely. But in those times, you know, I didn't let it, you know, fester into a place where I got despondent and dejected and a place of hopelessness where I cried for fear and lost sleep at night. I rebuked the devil right there in the name of Jesus Christ and started doing jumping jacks for the Lord. I want to be Paul and Silas, okay? when I'm locked in jail or whatever the case might be, I want to say, Hey, Lord Jesus, let me make your word applicable to my life where the rubber meets the road. Uh, the Bible says that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. You're instructing me in your word. And when you tell me, God, that there's going to be tribulation in this world and that I am to be of good cheer, guess what? I'm going to be a good cheer. And, and, and I'm prompted to be of good cheer and to worship and celebrate who you are, Lord, when those times of darkness try to envelop me. Okay, that is my cue that the devil's around me. It's time for me to start rebuking him and praising God. And almost immediately, the Holy Ghost takes over. My mood gets changed. And, you know, the world that is lost and confused and hopeless right now, they have nobody to look to in these times for hope and peace if we are not illustrating and letting that peace and hope manifest in our everyday lives as Christians, even in times of crisis. So I want to encourage everybody uh, real quick to stand fast. All right. You are in a war. You are in a spiritual war. Strap your boots on. It could get worse. We don't know. Um, but anyhow, so enough of that. So I've been living for the Lord now for two years. Okay. Lock, stock, and barrel. Sold out from the crown of my head to the sole of my feet and everything in between. Jesus is everything to me. Um, but I will say this, you know, I never really um, started fasting. Never really, uh, you know, understood the dynamics of fasting so much as I have just in the last six months. I've been, uh, you know, making an effort to do some fasting. Um Uh, usually it's, you know, just a 24-hour period. Sometimes I just give up a meal. Um, I have managed to go 12 days not so long ago. And I'm going to say something. I understand more than ever that fasting and prayer are the weapons of our spiritual warfare. Um, I mean, you know, you have holiness, you have your faith, you have, you know, different dynamics to being a true Holy Ghost-filled Christian uh, that we would say are 
weapons of our warfare. But when you strap on the whole armor of God and you start fasting and praying, which right now, folks, uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is a call to arms. Okay. With what's going on right now and how the devil's trying to use this time and exploit this time to make us feel, you know, uncertain and we're separated and we have to have church online as the body of Christ. We are to be unified more now than we ever have been because the rubber is meeting the road and through prayer and fasting, there's something about it. There is something deep that, um, that takes place when you are, uh, you know, prostrate before the Lord. I'm talking about travailing, spilling your guts out face down before God while fasting. Things happen in the spiritual realm and the devil can't stand it. All right. Yeah. I, I mean, Hey, like I said earlier, absence makes the heart grow fonder. I miss my church, but I got to say that, you know, for some, and I can't really, you know, articulate this too well. I'm not an eloquent speaker when it comes to this kind of thing, but there's something going on in my own personal life that is growing closer to Jesus. It's growing deeper in the things of God, the deep things of God. It's taking place in my life. And I just, I'm, I'm just a beast. I'm absolutely humbled and I don't even know what to make of it all. All I know is that I love to fast and I love to pray and it's doing something in my life that is tangible. And, you know, as the body of Christ, I really truly believe that the devil is trying to attack the church with this online thing. Hey, you know what? My pastor calls us to altar call. We stand and we worship in my front room. My wife and I, we praise God. We're having church, you know, next Sunday I'm putting my suit on. I'm going to take laps around my kitchen table. I'm having church. All right. It's not going to stop us from getting fed. It's not going to stop us. It's, it, it's not. All right. We're marching on in the name of Jesus through this uh, time of tribulation. But I will say this. This is a call to arms. Every Christian, every Holy Ghost filled apostolic blood bought uh, person, man and woman should be fasting and praying like never before. I mean, you know, it's just... Um, and, and we don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. We don't know what this what, what this is all about. But we do know this, that every single day when we wake up, his praise should continually be in our mouths. We should be seeking the Lord from early in the morning and praising him throughout the day and seeking him in the evening, you know, desperately and with all of our heart and with all of our mind and with all of our soul and all of our passion and all our love and obedience for Jesus Christ. We should be praying and, and in the spirit, we are unified. All right. And that brings me to my next topic. Okay. I, I, I'm sorry if I'm going down, you know, some rabbit trails, but obviously they were meant to be, and it's the will of God and hallelujah and praise the Lord. It's true. Anyhow, pastor Tony spell and life tabernacle in Baton Rouge, Louisiana has been the talk of the town, so to speak. Uh, you know, I'm citing here and throwing my two cents in with brother Ray Munoz from hope center, his kingdom minded podcast. Uh, it doesn't matter as an individual, really what your opinion on that is one way or another. We support the man of God. Uh, we are unified in the body. And you know, if the Lord sees fit to, to use uh, pastor spell and his congregation as the tip of the spear for something to come, uh, well then praise God for it. And we stand by him and every saint of God should stay off of social media with their own personal 
uh, opinions. All right. Hallelujah. And I say that in love. Praise God. And we should continue to uphold him and pray for him and support him. And that's just what it is. Okay. Whether you feel, you know, that is in, in, in your personal being, uh, whether you think it's right or wrong, or he should be doing this or, or doing that, it doesn't matter because in love and under the blood of Jesus Christ, we trust and know that he is the man of God set over the sheep in that congregation. He is the shepherd and he is anointed and um, God is going to do what God is going to do. And we're going to trust that real things are happening. All right. This, the, the Bible isn't just a storybook, some fascinating uh, drama that's played out for us to, you know, get excited about or talk about even we're to follow the instructions of God. We are to understand that this is a real life thing, that, that, that the tribulation that the, the saints of old uh, went through in ancient times were real, all right, and, and placed in God's word to illustrate to all the saints that would come through all of the centuries on how to handle life and, and, and how to, um, you know, be a soldier in this army of Jesus Christ. So I think while we're talking about prayer and fasting, I think everybody should push the plate back. If you are, uh, you know, at all, uh, a part of the kingdom of Jesus Christ, even if you're struggling yourself, let's get down to business with this inter in, excuse me, intercessory prayer. And start really praying for others and putting ourselves aside. Even if we're suffering, even if we're out of a job, even if our bills aren't getting paid, even if we don't know where our next meal is. All right. Let's do what only the Christians, only the apostolic blood washed, Holy Ghost filled Christians can do in Christ and put ourselves aside and start crying out to Jesus Christ for the well-being of that church down there in Baton Rouge, Louisiana and others. I mean, let's put others first always as the Bible calls us to do and start really praying for other people. Okay. God's got this thing, whether this is the end, whether it's a precursor, uh, a, a forerunner of, you know, the mark of the beast or that type of system that's coming in, um, you know, don't get caught up in all of that. Just understand that we are in the last days. Things are going to happen. Tribulation's going to come, but be of good cheer. God has overcome the tribulation in this world. And in him, uh, being obedient to his word, uh, whether we're comfortable about it or not, whether we feel like doing it or not, if we will, you know, suffer that 24 hour period, push the plate back and fast and pray, you will see God um, do his thing. All right. So praise God. Thank you for letting me get that off my chest. Uh, you go, Pastor Spell, handle your business for God. And as the body of Christ, we support you. Uh, we have your back in prayer and fasting. And we know that we are at a war. All right. We don't care what the secular world says. We don't care about the things that, that, that the media is talking about. All right. We care about our relationship as the bride of Christ with Jesus Christ on this earth. That's what we care about. That's what our lives uh, pertain to. All right. So with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, without any further to do, we are going to jump right into our continuing Bible study in search of the few. 
ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters. I want to start off uh, reading here in 2 Timothy chapter 4, um, verse 2. Preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come, and we know that we're in that time now, when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. When you are looking at this incredible instruction of how God wants the few those that find salvation, those that are his, he instructs them um, how to worship, how to praise him, how to congregate, what it should look like. It's a definitive picture. Uh, but in looking at that um, part of God's instruction and his nature and, and, and how you can see that the few will be worshiping, you also get a look simultaneously at the many. And, 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 and I want to say this. There's only two types of churches, folks. Yeah, you have, you know, 480 denominations in America. You've got a church on every corner. But essentially and ultimately, uh, you only have two types of churches. You have the true church and you have the false church. The true church, we're going to look at the true church. We're going to look at what God uh, the picture he has painted of what the true church looks like. We already know after what we just read uh, that, that, that you're going to get a look at the many and what it looks like when they congregate. I mean, uh, there's where do I go? Do I go to a church where it's dead quiet and they're reverent to God? Um, or do I go to a church where it's moderately noisy? I mean, there's some churches where you call them fanatics because it's just so loud and there's so much going on in them churches and everything between. I'm going to put my own opinionated um, observations aside, because I understand that the, the, the word tells me there is a way that seems right unto a man. OK, but the in thereof are the ways of death. I want to see what God says, how he wants to be praised, what it will look like. Um, but you can see that the many they've gathered the Joel Olsteins up unto themselves uh, so that they can feel good. Uh, they could be made to feel like they're saved. Go ahead and live in sin. Don't live a lifestyle of repentance. Um, don't live the way God instructs. Just live a way that makes you feel good, that you feel right about. And that is uh, the church of the many, the congregation of the dead uh, that the Bible speaks of. Okay, so we are going to jump right in. Okay, if you have your Bibles, follow me. And we are going to, let me see here. I'm watching the clock. I've got about an hour from here and we're going to be done. Amen and amen. Maybe a little bit less, maybe 40 minutes. All right. But I want to take a good, quick look. Um, and as you know, we've we've already looked at God's character, how he is an instructor um, and how he is a separator. And through his instructions, um, you will be separated from this world. And we've already read that. In fact, the last uh, episode or the last lesson that we do, which is going to be uh, the end of an eight part series, we're going to take a real close look at that specifically too. Uh, and I'm excited about some of these lessons coming up. It's interesting. Um, but I want you to pay attention and I draw your attention to a picture that God paints in his word. Um, like I said, there, there is over a hundred scriptures that I came about that are woven all through God's word on how 
how he wants to be praised, how he wants to be worshipped. Not how we want to or how we think it should be done, but we're looking in truth at God's word, how he wants to be worshipped. Okay, so turn with me to Psalms. We're going to jump off into the book of Psalms. Okay, so we know that, you know, and I've been in churches, okay, where, you know, I've been in churches where it's quiet. I've been in churches where it's loud. I've been in churches where I raise the hands. People raise their hands. I've been in churches where you're not even allowed to do all that. Okay. I've been in churches where they play music and clap. I've been in churches where you're not allowed to do that. Um, so let's take a look at what God says in his word. I want to know God's way of doing things. Okay. And let's take a look at how the few worship. Psalms 28, 2. And it says this, hear the voice of my supplications when I cry unto thee, when I lift up my hands toward thy holy oracle. This is scripture, folks. Hear the voice of my supplication when I cry unto thee. I've got a picture here of lifting up of hands and crying. What? You mean there's tears involved? There's emotion involved? All right, let's see here. Let's go to Psalms 134. And I'm going to start at verse 2. This is instruction right here. This is command, folks. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. Uh, through my brief three or four hour study on this um, Bible lesson, I've come to find that the lifting up of the hands is absolutely necessary. In fact, it's it, it, it's a sign of blessing the Lord. And we're going to see, we're going to look at a few more scriptures pertaining to the lifting up of hands. But here I have the Bible, God's word, his truth, his sound doctrine, illustrating that there is a congregation of people he calls the few. And they're lifting the hands. All right. And it says, once again, this is Psalms 134, verse 2. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. And you'll see that this, I mean, listen, when the cops come at you and they're pointing the gun your way, the first thing they say is hands up. Get your hands up. Get your hands up. Why? Well, it's a sign of surrender. All right. Facing down the cops with the barrel of a gun uh, pointed at you. Um or in the sanctuary, when you raise your hands, uh, it is a sign of surrender. I give up. I don't want to live my life anymore, Lord. I don't want to live the way I've been living, the way I think is right. I want to live the way you want me to live, God. 134.2 says, lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. Okay, so what's that mean? That means that when your hands go up, it is blessing the Lord. It is a way, it is a type, it is a form of blessing God. Uh, this is 141, Psalms 141, verse 2. Let my prayer be set forth before thee as incense and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Okay. This is 141.2, and I read one more time here in your hearing. Let my prayer be set forth before thee as incense. Let my prayer go up as incense. Let it be a sweet savor, a good smell to you, Lord. And the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Let's jump down here. Let's go to, um, let me see here. Okay, I'm watching the clock, folks. 
Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for your instruction. Thank you for your way of doing things, God. I want to follow your instruction every aspect of it, every detail from beginning to end. I don't want to follow 99.9% of God's instruction, then throw something of my own in there and taint or corrupt what God has for me. All right. Amen. Psalm 63 verse 4 says this, thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. Once again, you see um, how it's being talked about blessing the Lord while the lifting of the hands. All right. While your hands are raised, you it is a form of blessing the Lord. Once again, I read uh, Psalm 63, 4. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. I will lift up my hands in your name, God. Okay. And, and like I said, there's over a hundred verses pertaining to this stuff. I've only picked out a few. But I want to hammer it home. I want us to get a good, clear picture. Okay, this is reality. This is what it really looks like. There is a definitive, tangible manner in which God wants to be praised, in which he commands uh, us to praise him. Okay, and now watch this. Um, Luke chapter 24, and I'm going to be, re uh, let me see, verse 50. It says this. And he led them out as far as to Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And this is a picture of Jesus Christ. He's getting ready to go back up to the Father after he just came. Uh, he rose from the dead. He's spending his time, I believe it was 40 days, uh, with his disciples and his people. And he's getting ready to go back up. And it says, and he led them, talking about Jesus, and he led them out as far as to Bethany. And he, speaking of Jesus, and Jesus lifted up his hands and blessed them. A sign of blessing. He lifted up his hands. Let me illustrate for you how I'm going to want you to praise me. And this is the beginning of his church. He starts his church at the beginning when he is going back to the Father. And then he sends the Holy Ghost or the Comforter in his name. And the true church is started, which is in our next um, episode. We're going to look at that, how the church got started, what happened. And um, we know that. Um, that church was started when Jesus Christ went back to the Father. It is the church that has been through the last 20 centuries or so, uh, remains on the earth today and will not cease to exist until the time where uh, they are taken up out of the way just before the tribulation hits this earth, God's wrath, um, in a thing that is called the rapture. We are going to look at that as well, um, but not in this lesson. But uh, that church that um, God started, that Jesus started before he left this earth is the church that will follow his instruction in how they worship. And he's asking them to lift up your hands in the sanctuary. It's a sign of blessing me. I've illustrated it here, right here in Luke 24, 50. Uh, Jesus illustrates how lifting up his hands is a sign of blessing. He kicked it off. And before he ever asked them to do such a thing, all throughout the um, centuries, um, he did it himself when he says this. And he led them out as far as to Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. Let's jump over to 1 Timothy. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8, and it says this. I will, and this is Apostle Paul talking, okay? 
He says, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Here we are instructed by Apostle Paul again that um, we are to lift up our hands in a sign of blessing and praise and worship to Jesus Christ or to God. Um, and, and it says that, uh, I'm going to read it one more time. I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. This is what the holy God has instructed his holy people uh, to do by way of worship and praise in the sanctuary, lifting up holy hands, blessing his name, following his instruction. That's how he wants to uh, be praised. Okay, now watch this. So uh, let's jump over. The second topic uh, in our look at the worship that is given by the few is shouting and noise. All right. I'm blown away. I'm totally blown away. Okay. Um, let me see here real quick, folks. Okay. So jump over with me real quick. Let's go to Joshua 6, 5. Okay. Joshua 6, 5. All right. Thank you, Lord. Okay. Joshua 6, 5 says this. And it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when ye hear the sound of the trumpet, and, the, and all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city shall fall down flat. Hey, how many of you know <laughs> that calling upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ um, you know, in abandon, unabashedly, unashamed, screaming out and crying out and shouting the name of Jesus Christ, obstacles get removed, okay? Walls come falling down flat. Watch this now. So we're associating, uh, does God want us to be quiet? Is he a quiet God? Is there silence surrounding him? Um, do we equate that silence with reverence? Or what is going on when we look at God, when we look at things that are illustrated in scripture that pertain to what he is associated with. Well, listen, let, let me just tell you, um, not so much to my amazement, but I have found that noise is completely associated with God. Okay, watch this now. So you get a picture of God. He's instructing Joshua. All right, he's instructing the people of Joshua. They are here at the walls of Jericho. At, you know the story. Okay, they're getting ready to uh, come in and take over the land of Jericho. They've marched now six times around um, the walls of Jericho. The, the Bible instructed them to march seven times around the walls of Jericho. And he says this, watch this now. This is what's to happen on the seventh time. And it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, and all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city shall fall down flat. These are specific commands, directions, instructions by God given to his people uh, that would cause the walls of a city to come crumbling down. And, and, and you'll notice he didn't say all the people, if they feel like it, can give a shout. He said, all the people shall shout. 
There's a great shout, he says, with a great shout, with everything you have in you. Shout in triumph. Scream. Blow the trumpet. Okay, so right here in the Old Testament, and like I said, there's many illustrations in Scripture. I'm only picking out a few. Okay, but every one of them lead to this noise or this shouting that God is associated with. Watch this now. Okay, let's go over to Luke chapter 19, verse 40. In fact, you know what? Let me start at 37, and I'm going to read 240. It says this. Watch this now. Uh, I direct your attention. Pay, pay close attention to this. Okay, this is extremely exciting. So as I've said, there's so many different passages uh, from the beginning of the God's word all through it, clear to the end. And we had just read Joshua, uh, the story of the walls of Jericho in the Old Testament. Now we're coming into the New Testament. This is one of the most exciting passages of Scripture. I'll tell you what, this, this gets me going. So if I give out a good shout or a hallelujah, all right, you just know. But that's how we do it over here at the Do I Offend You podcast. Okay, so I'm starting at Luke chapter 19, and I'm going to start in verse 37, and it says this. I'm going to paint the picture, okay? Well, let me just read it, and then I'll paint the picture, okay? Hey, I'm not a professional. I'm just doing what the Lord asks, all right? Praise God. And when he, speaking of Jesus, was come nigh, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed be the king that cometh in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke the disciples. And he answered, and said unto them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. What a great picture of God's approval of noise, all right, of getting excited. Here you see that the disciples and the throngs of people, uh, uh, Jesus comes riding in on a donkey and they start throwing down the palm and, and palm branches in front of him. And they're, they're, they're just going completely ballistic. Hosanna in the highest, they're shouting. And uh, here you have a, a few of the uh, rule makers, the, the, the rule enforcers, the religious sect of his time, those Pharisees. Uh, they, they told the Lord, Lord, rebuke them. In other words, tell them to shut up. Now, if Jesus would have uh, uh, wanted it to be quiet and silent, he would have rebuked them as he was asked by the Pharisees. But instead, look what he says. He says, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. God demands worship. He's going to get glory. He's going to get praise, even if the very rocks have to do it. The rocks will never cry <laughs> The, rock, the rocks will never cry out in my place. Uh-uh. Okay. And, and you notice up here, it says that they were saying, blessed be the king that cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And the Bible says, in fact, let me just back up to 37. It says, and, and let me see here. And when he was come nigh, even now at the descent of Mount, at the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works 
that they had seen. Let me tell you, when you start looking around at what God does with your life, uh, you can't help but get excited. You can't help but shout. The Bible says that they were rejoicing. I looked it up and you know, uh, the very word rejoice by definition says this, feel or show great joy or delight. Okay. It's it, when you, when you're showing your delight in the form of rejoicing, guess what? People hear it. People see it. Okay. It, otherwise they wouldn't know that you were rejoicing. The Bible's, uh, um, the, the dictionary says that it's a show of great joy or delight. But, um, I found that fascinating. I, I'll tell you what I'm, re- I didn't include this story in the Bible, but I'm reminded of blind Bartimaeus. All right. Where he screamed at the top of his lungs for Jesus Christ to come and heal his blindness. And the world told him, shut up, be quiet, remain quiet. But the Bible says that he cried out all the more. All right. He went completely off the Richter scale and started screaming even louder. And what happened? He got the attention of Jesus Christ. Once again, you want to get God's attention? You want walls to come down? You want barriers to be broken? You want to draw close to the Lord? Then it it looks to me through what I'm reading and and ascertaining in God's scripture that um, it's okay to get loud. It's okay to get excited. All right. Let me just tell you something. You got the many. All right. And they'll go to a church and be all quiet. Okay. And and they're not going to worship or get excited, but they'll go home to a football game and tear the house down. I have a God that's jealous. And if I'm his bride, you know, and and I'm going to, I'm going to revert back to the story that I I talked about uh, some episodes ago, but you know what? I was a jealous guy myself. And, you know, if my wife goes over and she's talking to Daniel, and uh, she's all giddy and excited and laughing and, and goo goo gaga over there with him more than she is with me. Guess what? There's a problem. All right. God's a jealous God. All right. And he commands us to stay separated from the things of this world. The God of this world or one of them is entertainment. It is sports. So if I've got a church over here that's dead as a doornail, but they go home to a football game and they get all rowdy, don't you think that would make God mad? Of course it would. All right. But the few understand that and they know that their attention is completely attached to Jesus Christ. Their eyes are locked on. Their heart warms for him. They are bent on serving and obeying and worshiping him in the way that he wants them to. Um, But that's exciting. Here's Jesus coming into the town on a donkey and everyone's getting loud and noisy. And they're saying, hey, wait a minute, you're you're completely uh, disrespecting the the town. Uh, What's that uh, charge? Oh, disorderly conduct. All right. And there's another one, too. I'm I'm forgetting right now, but um, uh, they're telling the Lord, hey, rebuke them. They're getting too loud. They're getting crazy. He said, yeah, well, you know, if I tell them to be quiet, guess what? The very rocks are going to cry out because somebody's going to get loud for Jesus Christ. All right. Someone's going to get excited and rejoice for the things of Jesus Christ. All right. Let's move on. I'm sorry. Okay, here we go. Uh, Let's go to uh, Revelations. All right. Revelations. I'm, I'm, I, you know, I've just picked out a few passages uh, here in the Old Testament. I wanted to touch a little bit in the New Testament with in the middle of the book. And now I'm going to go all the way to the end. Okay. And I promise you, if you were to do the study that I did, you would find literally hundreds of verses that pertain to this. Okay. That pertain to 
what is equated and associated with God, whether it be silence or whether it be noise. Watch this now. I'm in Revelations. Turn with me if you got your Bible. Let's go to chapter four. All right. And this is verse five. I'm going to start at verse five, chapter four, verse five. I'm going to read down to eight. And it says this. I read once again in your hearing. And it says this. It says, and now watch this. I'm getting a look at heaven. Okay, where God dwells, where he at, where he is at, where he is seated. I want to take a look at heaven. All right. And if it's real quiet in heaven. All right. Then I'll know that God likes the silence. But watch this. And this is John the Revelator. He's called up to heaven. Okay. And he's getting a good look um, at what he sees. And he, and, he, and he pins this. He says, and round about the throne were four and twenty seats, and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting, clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. And out of the throne proceeded lightning and thunders and voices, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne... There was a sea of glass like unto crystal, and in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. And the first beast was like a lion, and the second beast like a calf, and the third beast like the face of a man, and the fourth beast was like a flying eagle. Now watch this, folks. And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him. And they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. Okay, watch this. You're getting a picture, okay? Oh, Lord have mercy. You've got angels and beasts and elders, all right? Uncountable, the Bible says. The angels are uncountable. And they're crying out day and night. You can't imagine the decibels, okay, how loud that must be. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Day and night they rest not, screaming those words and shouting those words and worshiping God. There's worship going on in heaven, folks, uh, uh, from the very throne that God sits on is lightning and thunder, okay, that proceeds out. Listen, I was driving my truck. Uh, it's been about, I don't know, several months now. I was in Murrieta, California. It was storming out. It was raining. And I got struck by lightning, okay? My my truck that I was driving, I had just taken the exit off Murrieta Hot Springs Road and a bolt of lightning I don't know that it hit my truck per se. Um, it seemed to me it did. It blinded me completely. It lit up the inside of my truck. I could hear it. I could feel it. The hair on my arms was standing straight up. But the thunder, you know, how many of you know that when the lightning strikes or when the thunder, wait, yeah, when the thunder rolls, okay, you count the seconds from the flash of the lightning. And every second is a mile away before you hear the thunder. So if the lightning strikes and three seconds later, I hear the thunder, guess what? That's three miles uh, uh, th th away from me that the lightning is striking. But this was simultaneously the lightning struck and the thunder cracked. It wasn't even the lightning that freaked me out so bad. 
It was the noise of the thunder. It just shook my bones. It rattled my truck. My whole truck went from side to side. I mean, it just rocked my truck. It scared me to death. I'm not going to lie. All right. I thought the rapture was taking place. I didn't know what was going on, but I know this. It's the one time in life where I can say I was in thunder and thunder is loud. So when you take a look at heaven, there is nothing but noise. There's nothing but worship. All right. There's thunder and lightnings. Let's jump over here real quick to, uh, while we're in revelations, let's go to revelations chapter five, verse 11. It says this, and this is again, John, the revelator writing down what he hears, writing down what he sees. And it says this, and I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands and thousands. Uh, that's a reference to him saying they can't be counted. They're innumerable. All right. And we, we move over here to verse 12. It says, and what were, what were those thousands of angels doing? He says, they were saying with a loud voice. Worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing and every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the lamb forever and ever. Are you kidding me? Huh? Listen, I don't see nothing about being quiet. I don't see nothing about silence. I see clapping and singing and rejoicing and shouting and noise and it being loud. That's what I see associated with God. I mean, here, 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 John says every beast, every creature, every angel, everyone created is, is blasting with a loud voice. It doesn't even say a semi loud or, you know, a, a, an audible voice. He says they were saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb. A loud voice. When you get a gazillion people together and they're all screaming at the top of their lungs, let me tell you something, right? Okay, and and, and let me just, let me stop right here and say something. I've been to rock concerts, all right? I know the worship that goes on uh, through that rock song and through that rock band to Satan. And let me tell you something, all right? There's a reason that people shout and scream and go crazy and raise their hands at a rock concert because that is what worship is. That is what glorifying is. That is what, you know, they're all excited. That that's what turns them on. All right. Well, guess what? Apparently through scripture, I read with my own um, basic God-given uh, common sense and knowledge. I understand that worship, that that's what it looks like. It is loud. It is excited. All right. And so, um, you know, of course it makes sense to get that excited over Jesus Christ, who's saving your soul from a pit of hell. When you look around at these rock concerts that these people are going to, and they're worshiping and going crazy over something that's taken them to hell. It's absolutely abominable. It's crazy. All right, real quick, while I'm in Revelation, just, I, I mean, there's so many, I'm, I just want to, I want to put this into your spirit of what I should see when I open the doors of a church service. Okay. 
I want to be able to look at that church service and know right away, am I in the presence of the few or am I in the presence of the many? Because the few are following explicit um, instructions on how they worship God and their excitement and their love for him. And, and believe me, according to what I'm reading, it's getting to a fever pitch. Let's go to six. I'm going to read one. Watch this. Okay. It says this. Watch this now. This is verse one, chapter six, Revelations. And I saw when the lamb opened one of the seals and I heard as it were the noise of thunder. One of the four beasts saying, come and see. And let me drop down to nine. It says this. And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they had held. And they cried with a loud voice. I said with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? <laughs> All right. With a loud voice. You got so much noise going on when you peek into the pages of heaven. Let me tell you something. All right. Uh, it looks pretty loud and noisy and exciting to me. I'll tell you that. But let me say something real quick. In fact, turn with me if you have your Bibles. Go over to chapter 8. Same book, Revelations. And let me read verse 1. Okay. Um, and I'm gonna, let me just say this. I looked for things quiet concerning the Lord. I looked for things um, that were not exciting, that were not loud, that were not um, noisy. And this is what I found. The only thing I could find was simply this. A period of silence that takes place in heaven. And I'm going to read it. It's verse 1, chapter 8. It says, And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. Okay, watch this now. When you go to a sporting event or somewhere, you know, you've heard about a moment of silence. Let's give a mo moment of silence for Kobe Bryant, for instance. Okay. Um, it speaks of memorial. It speaks of loss. It speaks of sadness. And so we give a moment of silence for that. When you think about this is so dramatic and so intense, I got to tell you, you've got eternity gone past all the way back, all through eternity, which has always been, it has never ceased. It has never started. It will never end. Your mind can't get around that because you're formed and fashioned in this place called time. But let me tell you, eternity has always been. It's always been this noise. It's always been this thunder. It's always been this lightning and praise and worship and crying aloud and noise and all this worship going on in heaven clear through eternity past. But yet when the tribulation comes upon this earth, which is right around the corner and believe me when I tell you right around the corner. Okay. And, and it says that John was in heaven when they, when the angel opened up the seventh seal, which is the great tribulation. All right. It's, it's, it's part of where the Bible talks about woe unto them. Okay. It's one of the seven woes of God. Okay. It's the seventh seal. And the Bible says, watch this, that after all this 
eternity and time gone past where there's been worship, everything comes to a dead silence in reverence for the tribulation that's being poured out through the seventh seal on this earth. It's so bad. It, it, it has never been. It will never be. But watch this now. Okay. The Bible says that, and when he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of a half an hour. So for 30 minutes, folks, there's going to be silence in heaven. Other than that, when you're talking about a jubilee and rejoicing and celebrating who Jesus Christ is, of course, he wants you to be excited about him. He don't want you to be more excited about something in this world than you are about him. You know what I mean? If my wife was dead and dull and boring around me and bored of me and not excited or in love or on fire for me, but yet she was that way about someone else or something else, guess what? We've got a situation. All right. I'm fixing to get fired up. All right. So it is clear in looking at the pictures that God has drawn out for us concerning the few and how they worship and how they celebrate who God is when they congregate. Hey, let me tell you something. If you are a part of a church that's anything but this, you are congregated with the dead. Flat out, hands down. All right. So if I walk into a church and I start getting a little bit excited and everyone else is quiet like they're in a mortuary or a library and they look at me crazy, guess what? I would rather be in that position, looked at crazy for getting excited about the things of God than to be looked at on uh, by God in judgment day and told to depart from him because a football game or a tennis match was more exciting to me than Jesus Christ was. All right. I'm a, I'm a, man, I'm fixing to get riled up. Watch this now. Go with me back to Psalms. Okay. Um, let's go to Psalms 98. Okay. Watch this now. This is an instruction. Huh, all right. If you're looking on, on being told or instructed or directed on how you should worship God, go to Psalms 98. Okay. Watch this. This is four verse four through six. It says this, make a joyful noise unto the Lord all the earth make a loud noise and rejoice and sing praises sing unto the lord with the harp and with the harp and with the voice of psalms with trumpets and sounds of cornet and the sound of a cornet make a joyful noise before the lord the king are you kidding me I mean, how much more clear do you have to be? I, I'm going to read a couple more. Go to 47. We're right there by it. This is Psalms 47.1. Okay, watch this now. I've already seen that they're shouting. I've seen there's rejoicing. I've seen that there is singing and music. Uh, let's see what else there is. How about the clapping of hands? Did we talk about that? Let's go. 47.1 of Psalms. Oh, clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. All right, with the voice of triumph, we're to shout with a loud voice, the Bible says, and clap our hands and lift our hands and praise and worship and glorify God. Psalms 101 says this, you know, it says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. That's Psalms 101. Go, go, let's go over here to 1 Thessalonians 4.16. And it says this, I read in your hearing, for the Lord himself, watch this now, for the Lord himself. So he's instructed 
uh, the few how he wants them to worship and interact and praise and have intimacy with him while they are congregating and rejoicing and worshiping him. But watch this now. He says this. First Thessalonians 4.16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Okay, watch this now. When Jesus Christ comes back for his church, it ain't with the whisper. All right, come on, let's go. Everybody up here now. No, 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 no. We're going to hear that trumpet sound, folks. He's going to descend from heaven with a shout. All right, a shout. Because he's excited to have his bride up there. He's excited that the, that the, the fulfillment of time has come to a completion. And now we are up in heaven with him. And he's shouting about it. Okay, watch this. Go back to Psalms. I'm sorry, I'm skipping around a little bit here, but go to Psalms 104, verse 33. And it says this, once again, I read in your hearing. I will sing unto the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. I'm going to sing unto the Lord while I have my being and praise. So while I'm alive, Lord, I don't want to face you. And instantly when I leave my body and I die, I don't want to face you and have any regret that I didn't leave it all on the table, that I didn't worship you in the good and in the bad, in the storm and in the sunshine, in the valley and on the mountain, in coronavirus and when there's no diseases. I want to worship you. I want to praise you. I want you to know that I trust you and love you and need you and want you and serve you and am a slave to your righteousness, Lord Jesus. Man, hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, let me just tell you, let me take it a step further, okay? Let's go over to 2 Samuel chapter 6, 14. In fact, let me let me just go to verse 14, and I'm going to read through 16, all right? And this is 2 Samuel, hallelujah. I'm, I'm, I'm sweating bullets over here, folks. I'm telling you, I'm about ready to get up and do a lap myself, okay? Watch this now. All right, so I'm reading 2 Samuel, and... Uh, let's see. Chapter six, verse 14. Let me get my glasses on to make sure I handle this. All right. Praise God. Okay. It says this, and I read once again in your hearing, it says, and David talking about King David. Now back to the old Testament. Watch this now. And David danced before the Lord with all his might. And David was girded with a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. And as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michal, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord. And she despised him in her heart. Okay, does God approve of her despising? Is he going to side with her and say, you're absolutely right, David's nuts for jumping and shouting and leaping and rejoicing in the presence of the Ark of the Covenant, which represents the Shekinah glory of God, his very presence? Watch this now. Drop down to verse 20 and we'll find out the answer to that. And I'm going to read 20 to 23. And it says this, then David returned to bless his household. And now, Michael, or how they sometimes pronounce it, Michael. It's M I C H A L. It's the daughter of Saul. It's David's wife. Okay. 
All right, now watch this. And Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How glorious was the king of Israel today, who uncovered himself today in the eyes of the handmaidens and of his servants, as one of the vain fellows shamelessly uncovereth himself. <laughs> David was in his chonies, folks. All right, he was in his boxer briefs, getting his dance on, getting his worship on, getting his praise on. And here she is moved in her heart in a negative manner against him and saying, oh, look it, I'm sure that all the handmaidens that were watching you strip down and dance in your underwear before the Ark of the Covenant, I'm sure they're all turned on and excited. How wonderful for the king. But watch what David says. Okay, watch this now. So it's verse 21 now. Now watch this. This is David's response. He says, it says, and David said unto Michal, it was before the Lord, which chose me before thy father and before all his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord over Israel. Therefore will I play before the Lord and I will yet be more vile than this and will be base in mine own sight and of the maidservants, which thou hast spoken of. Of them shall I be had in honor. Therefore, Michal, the daughter of Saul, had no child unto the day of her death. Okay, so watch this. God didn't side with her. He closed up her womb. He sided with David because, of course, the Lord wants to be shouted over and, and danced over and talked about and worshiped and praised and written about. And, and, and he wants his bride, the few, to be in love with him, okay? And, and, and if you'll notice what David said, he said, I don't care what you're talking about. As the leader of these people, I'm going to illustrate how we should get crazy for the Lord God while we dance in, in our in our underwear or whatever. And I, and at least the, the maid servants that you're talking about that are watching me, they're going to, they're going to hold me in honor. They're going to honor the, the king because they understand that he's doing what moves his heart. In fact, the Bible calls David, as we all know, a man after God's own heart, okay? And we can learn a lot from King David. And the one thing we have learned, and I'm starting to wrap it up here, is that in the dance, he's worshiping. So you've got, well, hold on. Let me just, let me read a couple more verses. Okay, watch this now. Let me go back to Psalms chapter 149, verse three. Okay, speaking of the dance, watch this now. Let them praise his name in the dance. Let them sing praises unto him with the timbrel and harp. What that just say? Let me, let, me, let me read that one more time. That's 149 verse three. Let them praise his name in the dance. Let them sing praises unto him with the timbrel. Look at all this form of praise. All right. So if I, if I get to take a little lap around the all uh, around the aisles, if I get to running or dancing or jumping or shouting or singing or clapping or raising my hands or praising at the top of my lungs, guess what? The Lord approves of it, instructs me to do so and says, go ahead, let your love, uh, let your heart that is on fire for me be demonstrated in your dance be, before me and in your worship and in your praise. Okay, watch this now. I'm going to read. This is the last one. Go with me, please. Let's go to Psalms chapter 150. And I'm going to read this now. Watch this. I'm going to read the whole thing. It's only six verses, but watch this. Praise ye the Lord. This is instruction, folks. 
Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. <laughs> Has God been great to you? He's been great to me. I'm going to shout about it. I'm going to clap about it. I'm going to worship about it. I'm going to praise about it. I don't care how this world mocks or makes fun or persecutes me. If they feel good about sitting in some dead, quiet, boring, doling service that they got going on, have at it. Enjoy yourselves in the congregation of the dead while I get alive and on fire for my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who I'm madly in love with, who I am crazy about. And I continue reading. Verse three says, praise him with the sound of the trumpet. All right. Blast that trumpet, folks. Praise him with the psaltery and the harp. Praise him with the timbrel and the dance. Praise him with the stringed instruments and the organs. Fire it all up. Fire up the orchestra. All right, let's get crazy for Jesus Christ. It's all right to do so. I'm a fool for Jesus Christ. Like it or lump it. Verse five, praise him upon the loud symbols. Praise him upon the high sounding symbols. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Let me tell you something, folks. That is a clear picture of the worship that goes on when you open up the church doors and you've got the few there that have found eternal life that are following God's instructions. Um, this is what you're going to see illustrated and much more that we're going to talk about in our next episode. But let me just tell you something really quick. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, I know I, 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 I said some things in the last episode regard, regarding the Pope, and uh, some people may have gotten offended over it. I, I, I'm not sorry that I said it. I'm sad that you're offended, uh, but I'm fixing to double down really quick, okay? So the Pope, as we all know, uh, just last week um, gave permission to all of the Catholics to go ahead and go to Jesus about getting forgiven for their sins since they can't physically get to a priest. Okay. But that is completely unbiblical. I sounded off about it and I'm going to double down on this once again. And three days after that episode, the Pope comes to the world stage and does something that, uh, in my mind, illustrates and marks the science of the times more than coronavirus. It's bigger. It's deeper. Um, it is, it's much more important in the things of prophecy. And let me tell you what he did. Okay. The Pope came to the world stage and made the announcement that it doesn't matter who you worship. It doesn't matter who you serve or who your God is or who you live for or who you pray to or how you pray or what you do. All paths lead to God. Ladies and gentlemen, that is a lie from the pit of hell. What an instrument, what a tool the Pope is for all things satanic. Okay. Let me just say this. The Bible says that in Acts chapter four, verse 12, that there is no other name given amongst men by which you must be saved. That's the name of Jesus. And then Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man come to the father, but by me. Hey, Allah ain't going to get you there. Buddha ain't going to get you there. 
Harry Krishna ain't going to get you there. And I can promise you that the Pope most certainly is uh, doing what he can to take you to hell. He is not going to get you there. He is a false prophet. He is a liar. And I'm talking about of the umph degree. You come out on the stage like this and you talk about all paths. I mean, what in the world? Okay. At least Oprah Winfrey supports that, I'm sure. Okay. All right. So, so I said that I don't want to get too jacked up and fired up about it, but let me just say this. That is a clear sign of the times because we know that there is going to be a one world ruler, which is the Antichrist over a one world government. There's going to be a cashless society. And along with that, there is a one world religion. That one world religion is simply this. Everybody, everywhere, whether you're Muslim or whatever you are, uh, all paths and all roads lead to salvation. Okay. And we're going to have one church. No matter what you believe, it don't matter what God says. We're going to disregard the things of God, the Bible. And we're going to pull the Quran up in here, the, the book of the Mormon, the Jehovah witness, everything. It's all good. Come one, come all. It's a party and we're all going to heaven. That's a lie. Only the few are going to heaven. And we know uh, and are looking at continually through this Bible lesson, what they believe, what they stand for, how they act, what they look like and where they are and what they call themselves and how we can get in with them. Because ultimately and more importantly, it uh, we got to get to heaven. Hey, let me just say this, too. You know, I talked a little bit about what deceiving does to a person. And, you know, it's sad to me. That a person can't really stop wherever they're at. If you've been Catholic all your life, you need to stop and say, I would rather know the truth about a thing than to be right. Because in my heart of hearts, I'm listening to what, what Carl Britt is saying on the Do I Offend You podcast and what he is reading in sound doctrine of God's word. And I can see clearly that my life does not line up with that. All right. And I want to, not only do I want to know the truth, the Bible says, listen, you're deceiving yourself. If you hear the word only, and you're not a doer of the word, be ye doers of the word, do the things which God commands. And, and, and other than that, you're just deceiving yourself. So, you know, uh, if you're involved in a church that isn't worshiping the way the few are worshiping and they don't believe the way the few believe, guess what? You're part of the many. You're in the congregation of the dead and on your way to a lake of burning fire. But you don't have to. He's got mercy. He's got long suffering. He's got salvation and joy for you. But it's only going to be done in his truth, in his instruction from cover to cover. All right. I mean, the many, you know, they say. You know, let me just really quick go there. All right. And I'm closing. I'm closing. But I got something else to say, and praise God, I'm going to say it. Go to Luke chapter, if you will. If you got your Bibles with me, turn over to, to uh, Luke 646. I'm going to read it just real quick. Watch this now. Okay. Let's see here. Luke chapter 6, verse 46. And it says this. Uh, man, let me start at 44. For every tree is known by his own fruit. For of thorns, men do not gather figs nor of a bramble bush gather they grapes. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. 
for the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaketh. And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? All right. So you can call him Lord. You could be part of the Pope's congregation. You can, you can be anything outside of God's way and be in your own way where we know that uh, it seems right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And you can do all that. But guess what? If you don't do what the Lord says, the Bible says you're deceiving yourself. In fact, I'm going to read that too. James chapter one, verse 22. And it says this, I read once again in your hearing, uh, it says this. In fact, let me just start at 21. Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Ladies and gentlemen, let me just say something. Your soul, I would hope, means more to you than to discount what I'm saying. This is the, the, the podcast and the broadcast of truth, complete truth. Anything apart from what I'm saying or reading in scripture is a lie of the devil, even if it seems right to you. Okay. Uh, I don't want to deceive myself by just hearing. I mean, the Bible says the demons, the Bible says you believe in one God, you do well, but even the demons believe and they tremble. What do you do? Do you obey? Are you caught up in this type of worship that the few have going on that excites God, that draws his attention towards you? All right. The many are separated by clear lines from the few, the godly from the ungodly. They're the saved from the unsaved. The many say we have Jesus. The few say Jesus has us. The many say God knows my heart. But the few say, we seek to know the heart of God. The many, ladies and gentlemen, they're going to bow their knee and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord after they die and when it's too late. But the few, they bow their knee every day. The many, they cater to their flesh. But the few deny themselves pick up the cross and follow after Jesus daily. The many, they only call on Jesus when they're in times of crisis. But the few continually have his praise in their mouth. The many are disobedient to the commands of God, while the few are slaves of Jesus Christ. Separated by holiness on this earth, there's going to come a day when the many are separated from the few by heaven and hell. In the end, heaven and hell will separate the many from the few. So in closing, we've taken a good close look at what it looks like. Um, I want to know what it is now. Uh, and in our next lesson, we're going to look at what it is that takes place that God instructed that 
He imparted unto the few that allow them to worship in this way, irregardless of what people think or what they say. We're going to take a close look at that in part six of In Search of the Few. And then we have a very exciting finale to this. Um, uh, we're, we're looking at everything that we can understand in just our common sense. Okay, we're, 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 we're not anything but a, a man looking at plain scripture in common sense and coming to an understanding about it. But in the end, um, we're going to go to a genuine Bible scholar, a fellow that makes it his life's mission, his calling, his anointing, his work, uh, his passion, his heart is to study the word of God, to know it intricately and intimately. And um, he will be teaching from it all of his life and preaching from it and understanding it and becoming one with the word of God. And we're going to check our math, so to speak. And uh, when I'm done laying it all out, I want to go to him and let him uh, tell us what the truth is concerning um, the um, perspective from a true Bible scholar. And we'll see where we've fallen short or if we have, or if we're right on point, uh, and, and, and we're going to trust in this gentleman to bring a more clear picture, a more better understanding, a more deep truth to the intricacies of God's word concerning the few and the many. All right. Now, I'm going to leave us real quick with the word. Um, you know what? I'm going to leave us with the word of the week. And it's found right here. And you know, this, this is the words of Jesus Christ. It's John chapter 14. All right. When you're struggling in times of coronavirus, uh, don't despair uh, because Jesus Christ himself says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there, ye may be also. Woo. That's John chapter 14, verse one through three. Let me tell you something. When the waves start crashing around me, uh, I don't want to uh, lose heart. I want to be radical for the things of Jesus Christ and how I keep my faith and how I make a stand and how I let his light shine through me in this extreme time of darkness. Why? Because my hope is in him and I'm not going to let my heart be troubled because he's prepared a place for me. Yeah. Okay. So the roof comes in tonight from an earthquake and takes me out of this world. Well, praise God. I'm better for it. I'm going to be in the hands of God almighty. All right. So ultimately, the Holy Ghost filled true believer of Jesus Christ, who is called the few, have this hope that he has gone to prepare a place, but he is going to come again and receive us unto himself. And ladies and gentlemen and brothers and sisters, that's the Bible. And that is the truth.